And here's what's happening when we manipulate others. We are moving them just like in persuasion. We're moving them from point A to point B, but we are moving them out of our own good for our own purpose, for our own agenda, and we're looking out for ourselves. Welcome to Getting Money Right, a show dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom through education and inspiration so that you can be free to pursue your true life's purpose. On today's show, we're going to be talking with Jeff Tippett, the author of Unleashing Your Superpower. And we're going to dig into what that superpower is and how to unleash it in your life. But first and foremost, Jeff, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey, thanks for allowing me to have this opportunity to talk and share some of my background and my story. Um, I speak professionally. I spend about half of my time on stage or doing the work around um, being on the stage and presenting there and about half my time working with clients doing strategy work. I own a public affairs and communications firm. Uh, and then in addition, I have three kids, two are biological and one I adopted from Haiti, which is a big part of my story is going through this international adoption and really understanding the difference between persuasion and manipulation and setting myself up to be an expert in persuasive communication. Now, we know that you recently uh, wrote a book, and we'd love to hear about that. Tell us what made you write the book, and what's in it? What's, uh, what's the topic? What, uh, what's the passion that made you put this in a book form? The book is titled Unleashing Your Superpower, Why Persuasive Communication is the Only Force You'll Ever Need. And for me, the genesis of the book was adopting this baby from the country of Haiti during a time when the country was collapsing. And so much of what I knew about communicating with other people, moving the needle, making things happen, failed me when I was in this, in this country. Um, the language barriers, cultural barriers, the country falling apart, so many things that I was used to making happen just didn't work for me uh, in Haiti. So that began the, the, the beginning of this whole book and this process of understanding persuasive communication has led me to the point that I made the bold statement in my book that we all live or die based upon our ability to persuade. And to me, that doesn't, doesn't matter if you're a CEO, if you're an entrepreneur, um, if you're in sales, if you're a middle manager, if you answer the phone, or if you just don't want to live alone for the rest of your life, that we all live or die based upon our ability to persuade others. Yeah, I think that's what really interested me in having you on the show, Jeff, is A, your story, but B, this idea that communication and persuasion ties into area, every area of our lives. And so when we talk about our finances, uh, you can have the best financial content in the world. You can have the best understanding of finances, know exactly what to do. But if you're married and you can't persuade your spouse and you can't communicate it in a way that's engaging and understanding and allows both sides to speak into the decision, if you don't know how to communicate what's on your heart, then it's going to fall flat. And it's the same with your career. You could have great skills. You could have uh, the best production in the company. But if you don't know how to communicate with others and you don't know how to persuade others to see the value that you bring, then there could be a 10 or 20 year career where nobody sees what you've done 
and you've been one of the all-star employees, but nobody ever saw it because you never persuaded somebody to see the value of what you bring. And so I think that this applies uh, through our personal finances, through our careers. And this is something that I'm really interested to dig into. And even that idea of persuasion versus manipulation, because we've met somebody or maybe been in a relationship with someone where they manipulate to get what they want versus persuading. And I'm interested what the difference is. So Jeff, how would you break that down? You have something that you desire. You need to influence somebody else to get what you want. Uh, how do I know that I'm persuading versus manipulating? Well, first of all, I think I'm going to hire you to do my pitches for me um, on everything that's good because you just like nailed it. It was perfect what thank you, you said. Thank so, you. <laughs> so you're hired here, man. Yeah, I want you to introduce me on stage and uh, pitch my book for me. You got the job. That's that's fantastic. Yeah, you know, there, when I, when people ask me what do I do for a living, you know, I say I speak professionally, and typically the next thing they say is, "So what do you speak about? What's your topic?" And I say right. I speak on persuasive communication, and almost without exception, the next thing they say to me is, ah, you teach people how to manipulate for a, a living. And I just, you know, I kind of chuckle at them and think, well, no, like these are just polar opposites. They're, they're so far apart, but I understand why people think they're the same thing because we've gone through sales training, different types of training where we thought we were learning to have influence or learning to have persuasion when actually we were being a taught how to manipulate other people. And I don't know about you, but I don't like to be manipulated. We've probably all gone through that, like through gym memberships or different things like when people are on the phone and we're just manipulated and we'll do anything to get off and to end that. But the big difference to me is this. Manipulate means this. It means to control or to influence a person, but to do it cleverly, to do it unfairly. And here's what's happening when we manipulate others. We are moving them just like in persuasion. We're moving them from point A to point B, but we're moving them out of our own good for our own purpose, for our own agenda, and we're looking out for ourselves. Now, let's contrast that with persuasion. Well, persuasion means to call someone to believe something, but it's especially after a sustained effort, right? We're going to persuade them to do this through reasoning or sound argument. And the word argument here is back to the truest form of the word. When, we, when one person says what they think, what they believe, and the other person responds, it's not like Thanksgiving when we talk about politics and religion, right? And we're doing this, we're butting heads. No, it's two people sharing their ideals, their values, what they're looking for, where the pressure points are, where the pains are. And what happens is over a, a, a period of time here of working together in this, that the other person and you come to the very same understanding. Now, it may not be where I started and it might not be where the other person started, but at the end of this, we're at the same place. And I look for two magical words to know if I have persuaded or I have manipulated. And when I hear these two words, I know what happened. And those two words are, that's right. So when I'm talking with someone, I'm presenting an idea and we go back and forth and I listen and I communicate and we, we talk. And when they look back at me and say, hey, yeah, Jeff, that's right. We do need to do that. Or, hey, Jeff, yeah, that's right. Let's go in that direction. Or, hey, Jeff, that's this. your work is going to be perfect for what we're doing here. What I know at that point is I haven't twisted their arm behind their back. I'm not making them do something they want to do. I provided sound reasoning. And now together, they're just as excited as I am. And together we want to move forward. Yeah, I think that this is really important to dig into a little bit of the nuance of this because you can have somebody who goes on a fact-finding mission in order to gather facts and data to manipulate the situation 
Or you can have somebody who's going uh, on a fact-finding mission because they care about you. They want to know what's going through your mind. They want to know your opinion. They want to know your background. They want some context into who you are. And as they ask those questions, they begin to formulate things that are going to help you and serve you versus a fact-finding mission that causes them to come out with solutions that serve them and help them and aren't really looking to serve you. So a quick example, I was at the fair this past weekend and I ended up in one of the booths where they try to sell you something. I mean, these are the guys that are pro salesmen. And for somebody from the marketing industry that I came out of, I love it. I love to see how they communicate that. What does that look like? And it's part of the reason we're having you on the show, Jeff, is we want the people that are listening, we want our audience to realize that persuasion, it can be persuasion or it can be manipulation. And you need to be aware when you walk into a sales opportunity, whether you're being persuaded towards something that's going to serve you and your family, or if you're being manipulated into something that's going to serve the salesman and the company, but isn't really going to serve you. And so I'm standing with this guy talking and he's asking questions, questions that, that I would ask a friend. Hey, where are you from? How long have you been married? Do you guys have kids? He's building rapport. He's getting facts. So he could be asking me because he really cares and he wants to go deeper and he wants to learn what I need. Or as he began to dig in, he says, okay, where do you work? How long have you been there? And now he's looking for my salary information, trying to figure out how much he can charge me for this product. Because you could tell the product was something that we were going to negotiate on and we were going to haggle. And so he's saying, what dollar figure can I start this on? And so it was just so interesting, the nuance, because the exact things that you said when you're talking about manipulation versus persuasion, it could go either way. You could be taught a tactic to manipulate someone, but that same tactic could be used to persuade, but it depends on kind of the heart behind it and just that nuance breakdown. And so that's, that's really interesting to me. Absolutely. And the thing about like with manipulation and it comes to sales, a good salesperson can manipulate. A good salesperson can get you to do so. They can get you to buy. They can close the deal. But for companies, like one of the top expenses they have is customer acquisition and the cost of getting someone new. And when you manipulate someone, the chances of you building a long-term sustained relationship with them where you're continuing to buy and you're working together long-term, it's next, it's next to impossible to happen versus when you persuade and the person wants it just as much as you want it. Now you're building a lifetime relationship that you can continue to work together on projects or sales or whatever that looks like. That's very good, Jeff. Uh, many times when I'm coaching somebody, this is something that Dave and I run across a lot, which is that couples, obviously, they come from different backgrounds. Many of them have a different perspective about money. And the more stress there is in the financial picture, um, sometimes they're on the opposite end. So when they're coming meeting with one of us trying to get on the same page, many times what I've seen is a strong personality try to manipulate the other person to their point of view. And I would love for you to be able to speak to our audience and help them to understand how can they build not toward one of them being stronger and manipulating because they're just better at it or maybe more gifted in communication, but it really even, even to be sensitive toward the other partner. I know I used to do this with my wife. I was so strong in being able to get my point across that many times she would try to argue with me or try to come back and eventually she'd just give up because I was relentless. And I think sometimes I've, I've coached guys like me, unfortunately, and that happens. So what <laughs> I want to hear you uh, maybe speak to our audience about is how can they build, what phrases, what techniques can they use 
to build that consensus, to have agreement, and eventually to persuade one another to the right perspective. Because ultimately, the good thing that's going to be good for both of them is there. They just need to find it. Can you give them some nuggets, something that they can talk about or how they can communicate so that they can bring uh, about the, the right results rather than driving each other apart or maybe one of them giving in and saying, forget it, I'm not going to win the argument, so I'm just going to go ahead and say what you want me to say and you'll do what you want to do anyway. So help help them, uh, help me. <laughs> Absolutely. Let me frame it around this story. So I, I briefly mentioned this adoption that I went through during a time of President Aristide's government collapsing. And for the first time in my life, I had guns held at my head. I mean, imagine what you would do with a machete at your neck mm. um, or having to flee the city because of the riots that were breaking out. Um, and I, I reached this one point when my attorney from Haiti emailed me and said, Jeff, the, the government official that you need to sign your next document is not showing up. The office is closed down. At best, your adoption is delayed but you might better accept the fact that your adoption is over and you're not gonna be able to complete the adoption. So heartbroken, yes, determined, yes, all the above. I flew to Haiti, I stayed with my attorney and with my translator every single day, I would walk to this office and I would stand outside the office and I would wait for someone to come show up only to walk back disappointed that the person didn't show up. And this probably happened for two weeks, going back and forth, until finally one day someone showed up. And here's what happened. This guy came to the office to show up. You can imagine like where I am at this point, like the emotional adrenaline that's going on, all the stuff that's happening in me, especially after two weeks of doing this every single day and nothing happens. So he finally, he's there and we start the conversation through the, my translator. I'm using the word I, me, and my, constantly. I want this adoption completed. I want to bring this girl to the United States. I want to give her an education. I want to give her a home. This is part of my family. Like using I, me, and my constantly over and over. And guess what happened? Nothing happened. The guy didn't care. It didn't matter to him. And see, I was so used to like what you're talking about, strong arming, manipulating, pushing people, pushing the buttons, pushing the levers until I got what I wanted. And at times, you know, even having relationships to be strained or relationships to be damaged because I was so much wanting my way and what I wanted in things. So I, I took a quick pause here because I knew I've got to turn this thing around. I've got to fix it or this is over. And so I pulled on what I knew uh, in my short time of Haiti was how much Haitians love their children and how much they value the family and the young kids. And so I turned this conversation around to this beautiful Haitian daughter who now did not have a home and didn't have a promise of love, who didn't have promise of an education, who didn't have promise of a home any longer, who didn't have promise of health care, nothing in her life. And that if he would sign this, that for this girl, she could now have this guaranteed in her life. And it was instantaneously, he turned this thing around. But what I had to do was I had to go back to what was important to him and what he valued and work from that point. And then what happened was, did I get what I want? Yes, but I also made sure that he got what he wanted. Um, it's one of the reasons that I devoted an entire chapter uh, in my book called Helping Others Find Their Win, So You Win. And I do believe, to your point, we have to start with a heart check. We have to check our hearts. What do we really want? I mean, is this just about us getting our way? Is this just about our pushing our will on someone else? Or do we really want to listen to the other person? 
Do we want to hear what concerns the other person has, the expectations, the gaps, whatever that is? Are we willing to listen to that other person and then find the common ground to move together? Yeah. So what are some of the techniques or questions that you ask when you are trying to discover more about the other party, when you're trying to learn what they're looking for? I mean, you're in another country talking to somebody who probably speaks another language and you've got a lot of communication barriers. How do you begin to break down and figure out what that person wants? And, and I'm saying that you're looking at somebody in another country with another language. If you're married, sometimes it feels like they're from another planet with another language. So, I mean, <laughs> it's not that far apart here. How do you begin to draw that out of the counterpart in the conversation? Zig Ziglar says it this way. He says, you'll get everything in life that you want if you'll just help enough other people get what they want and really putting the focus on other people. So what I encourage people to do as we talk through this um, is, first of all, is to listen. It is amazing how much people will tell you, how much you can get out of them, their fears, their concerns, their, their goals, their objectives, all of those you can hear from people if you'll just pause and listen to them. I like to talk first, right? We like to get this stuff out there like ourselves. This is what we want. We know the best way to do all this. Pause and listen. And then next thing is to ask questions and to ask clarifying questions. Now, I, I just got married this weekend, um, and I've been in a relationship for a while now. Here's, here's the thing I know. When I'm in a relationship with my spouse, my spouse can say something, and I can hear something, and what I hear is not what my spouse said whatsoever. Like something happens in this whole breakdown of communication. So I encourage people to listen and then ask clarifying questions. Ask to make sure that you understood what the person said. And these aren't like simple yes, no questions. These are clarifying questions saying things like, Hey, did I hear you say this? Or can you explain more about this? And allowing the other person just to get everything that's out there, allow them to talk, share all of that. So we listen and then we ask these clarifications. And then here's what I'd like to do for the third thing, the third part of this. You've got, we know what we want. Now we know what, what they want. And what I look for then is that Venn diagram, that overlapping area. And that's the sweet spot. That's where you can move forward. And, and one of the, the chapters of my book, I talk about binary versus non-binary options. Sometimes we think every decision is just black, white, yes or no, one or two. But sometimes through this process of listening, we can find non-binary options of, of ways to move forward that both people then um, are happy. So seeking alignment is a, is a third part of that. Finding that common ground, that Venn area where it's what both people want. And I can pretty much guarantee this. When you find that sweet spot, that's when that other person is going to be saying, yeah, that's right. Let's do this. That's really good. I think the part of what you're saying is really about understanding that it's really not about you. If you enter the conversation with, how can I get my way? You're already on the wrong side of the equation because you have to fight to get the other person to selfishly give in to what you want. But when you come to the table and saying, how can I help this person and help myself in the process? So if you are looking at the other person, if you're looking at your partner and saying, how can I, how can we together do this? then you're, you're changing everything. Even the, I believe even the tone of your voice, your conversation is going to be completely different if you're focusing on the other person. And the thing that you just mentioned, to listen, obviously, if you're listening to somebody, it's because you care what they're saying. You're not waiting for them to finish. You're listening. What are they actually saying? And then you're asking clarifying questions to find out, okay, do I? let me make sure I understand what this person's saying. And then last, 
based on what I know and what I want and what they know and what they want, how can we find common ground? And I think most couples who, especially who eventually get married, have a lot in common. They have a lot of things that they love to do together. And I think when it comes to finances, we we tend to kind of have a wedge in there. You think what you think, I think what I think. But really a conversation, an open conversation where you're listening, asking clarifying questions, and then seeking alignment. These three things, I mean, I just love the way you lay that out because I believe every person that's listening to this can have a good conversation, even when it's again, tough financial situations where they can have alignment. They can begin to put a plan in place that they both buy into, and now they can move toward that place of financial success. I agree. In fact, for me, my experience is when I find that place of alignment, that answer, that whatever that conclusion is, nine and a half, nine and three quarters, nine point nine out of 10 times, it's stronger and it's better than what I thought myself. Mm. And so I, I actually look for that because I, I do have faith that when I find that alignment, it's going to be better than what I started with, right? And the other person is going to be happy. I'm going to be happy. We're going to be stronger because we found that alignment. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, I do want to ask you this, this additional question. You talk about crafting your message. How do you do that without coming to the table with a kind of a preconceived notion on what you want? And then how do you how do you still stay open if you're crafting a message and you're trying to convince your partner or you're trying to persuade them? How do you craft that message and still stay open to their feedback, to understanding their situation, and then change that? Tell tell us about that. Yeah, so I think it begins with with our heart and where we really are as a human being. Um, and if our focus is on the other person, then it will all lead toward that. But it begins like going back to the earlier part of like crafting this message. Um, Albert Einstein said it this way. He said, if you can't explain something simply, you don't know enough about it. Mm. And so oftentimes what happens is, you know, I do a lot of policy work, do a lot of business concepts, a lot of things like in the financial space, like it's extremely complicated. Like there's all kind of nuances all over the place. Um, and, and there's a lot of complexity to our language. And oftentimes what ends up happening is we can push people away because of the language. And for me, sometimes I, I get enthusiastic. So like I have like, it's like my head is kind of like ping pong balls and all these ideas are, are you know, popping around all over my head. They're bouncing around. And I think it's important, whether it's a financial conversation, an issue within a marriage, or whatever's going on, for me to really figure out what is it that I'm trying to say? Because I don't want to start this conversation on the wrong foot and start going down the wrong path or start this conversation and be 15 minutes into the conversation and I'm still talking. I'm still trying to figure out what it is I'm saying. So, a few steps that I encourage people to do is first of all, like when you're facing things like this, pull aside and just begin to debrief yourself, like figure out what is it that, that you're trying to say. For me, I'll often go to a whiteboard or I'll take out like a yellow legal pad and I'll get all these concepts out. I'll just write everything out, get it out there. Sometimes I'll talk into my iPhone, play things back as well, get everything out there, debrief myself and then figure out like, where are the buckets? Like, where's the where are the areas that which this can all fit together? Uh, another question that I ask myself uh, and working with clients is, is well, like, you know, what problem does this solve? When I'm talking through crafting this message, what problem am I solving um, in this? And then begin to figure out exactly what is it, what am I trying to say? What is this fiction? What is the solution here? And then begin to distill this down into smaller bits of language that will encourage people to ask more questions. So, Let's reflect back. When I first started our conversation today, I mentioned, you know, when, 
when people ask me, what do I do? I say, I'm a professional speaker. That's all I say. I stop and I pause. And what happens? Now they say, what do you speak about? Then I can come back with the next level. What I don't do is I don't go through the whole thing. Hey, I speak professionally. I'm on stage 50% of the time. I was talking about persuasive communications. I'm working on my second book. It's coming out in January. I'm getting ready to go to St. Martin. to speak. I, mean, I don't go on and on and on. I say enough to whet people's appetite because what I want is their input in this conversation as well. So distill the conversation down. We used to like work in pages of content and then you, know, you got pushed down to like paragraphs or sentences. When we're crafting language for clients, we actually craft it word by word by word. And we make sure that it points to the next word. What you want in this is you want your spouse, you want your partner, the other person to get into this conversation, ask you for more and to dig deeper together in that conversation. Mm -hmm. That's really good. And it's important to craft that message before you go into the conversation and check your heart. Spend time saying, okay, what do I really want out of this? And am I trying to get something for myself? Am I trying to mutually benefit both of us? Do I care about this person? And I think that you have to ask those questions before you go in. So I think it's great that you've laid it out like that. Jeff, what do you do if you're talking to somebody who you've wounded in the past or yeah, there's been some kind of broken relationship. Uh, you know, there's something where you injured them, not physically, but verbally, emotionally. When we talk about finances, you know, we're looking at couples that have tens of thousands of debt. <clears throat> Excuse me. We're looking at couples that have tens of thousands of dollars in debt. Uh, they've made poor choices. One person has driven spending that really the family couldn't afford. And so sometimes you're coming into a situation where somebody's shut down emotionally. How do you begin that conversation again? How do you begin to draw that person out and build trust when you've lost some of that trust? Well, my book, um, I finished the entire book. My publisher was reviewing it. And my publisher came back and said this. He said, Jess, you've talked about trust throughout every single chapter in your book, but you haven't spent like a whole chapter talking about it. Don't you think you should? And my response was, oh my gosh, yes, because like trust isn't an add-on chapter to my book. Trust is the cornerstone. Trust is the foundation for this whole book. And without trust, like there is no persuasion. There is nothing whatsoever without trust. It, that's the beginning. That's the foundation. And a few tips for developing trust in other people um, is being consistent. Like with what we say in our actions, um, the things that we do become consistent with that. Delivering as we promised and help build trust with other people um, as well. Um, to your point here, and I speak directly to what you just said, when things happened in the past, um, the third one that I offer in the book is to be open and to be authentic. And guess what? To say, hey, you know what? It's my fault. I did this. I messed this up. When I'm on stage speaking, people relate more to when I'm open and say, look, I did this and I failed miserably. It was just horrible. Um, and when I am open with them and when I'm authentic with them and they don't see me as this, you know, spit shine person up on the stage as larger than life person. But when they see that, you know, every single day I make mistakes myself and I own those mistakes, um, but being open and being, you know, being authentic with them. And how about this? another one here, which is perfect for what you're just asking about, is being open to feedback. Sometimes we aren't open to that feedback, right? We're just out there pushing our, idea, our ideas on other people, being open to feedback uh, from others. 
and even making sure that we make time for them in the busyness of all of our schedules, pulling back so there's actually enough time to stop, to sit, uh, and listen to them. This is really important in teams and in your career as well. I've found this out over time working with different teams that there is a speed to the, the amount you can get done to reduce the drag and the resistance of a new project or a new idea. The more trust you have within that team, the more time you've spent together, the more that you look at each other and you intuitively know that the other person cares about you, they want the best for you, they want the best for the company. When you have that trust built in, it causes the team to go further, faster, and have less cost. And whether that cost is dollars or that cost is time or that cost is just resistance and struggle having that trust really matters. And it's something that I personally, I'm kind of a bottom line kind of guy. And I'm thinking, what you know, what's the bottom line? Let's move fast. Let's maximize this. I don't want to spend time uh, building this long relationship to get one thing done. Let's get 10 things done and lower the amount of relationship building time and speed up the amount of production time. But really, when you start dating somebody, you've got to go deep with them. You've got to ask them questions about who they are. You've got to build relationship, build trust. When you go into a business relationship with someone, you've got to figure out who they are. And the more that you can align your beliefs with their beliefs, and the more that you can understand about them, the more that you trust them, the faster you can make a deal. And so I say that it's not about making the deal necessarily every time, but it shows the importance of that trust, that there's a value to spending some time building the relationship. If you've hurt the relationship or you've impaired the relationship in some way, going back and just like you said, apologizing and saying, look, I messed up and I care more about this relationship than getting the deal done or than causing this production to happen. Uh, the, pr the productivity matters. The, the end of the day, it does matter where we're going together with our finances, but I care about you more than I care about that. And how can we build that relationship back? We put that trust back into place. And then over time, we can go somewhere together that really matters. Absolutely. In fact, that's the number one reasons that teams fail um, is the inability to communicate and to communicate well um, with one another. And, and part of that too, especially when you're dealing with teams of people, is making people feel safe within the teams, making them their, their ideas, their feelings, their thoughts, making them feel like that they are, that they are safe, that they're in the safe place. Um, and, and you're right, I have the same tendencies. Like, I just want to get it done. Let's knock this stuff out. Let's make it happen. Um, and we can get there, but we'll get to, I believe, a much solid, much better product, more solid product um, when the, we pull these other people along and we're moving together uh, as a group where we want to go. All right, Jeff. Well, we're getting close to the end of the show, but I wanted to give you an opportunity. Just is there any any final comments or, or something that you want to touch on that's on your heart that you want to share with our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. So let me pick up at the end of the adoption. I completed everything six and a half months, which felt like forever when I was doing it. But, you know, retrospect, looking back an international adoption at six and a half months is really remarkable. Yeah. But I finished the adoption and I'm standing in the Miami airport. I'm holding um, this less than a year old baby. She's whimpering. She had double ear infections and the cabin pressure was killing her. She's whimpering. I'm holding her. And I do feel pretty proud, to be honest. Like I did it. You know, I got this thing done. Here she is. I'm on U.S. soil. We're here. And then uh, as fast as it came in, that went right out the window. And I started looking at her wondering what her life is going to be. Hmm. You know, will she be a doctor and heal people? 
Would she be a humanitarian and relieve suffering? Would she be a teacher and impact hundreds of lives that could then impact thousands of lives? Would she be a nurse? And while I couldn't answer any of those questions, here's what I did know. The adoption wasn't over. This was like, we've probably all been to a lake or pond and you throw a stone in and you hear that boom, you know, when it first goes in, we can visually see that, right? And then from that, the ripples go out. And here's what I knew. The adoption wasn't over. This was just the first step. There were going to be ripples that are going to continue on from this well beyond me. She's going to touch lives. She's going to impact lives that I will never know, ever know these people, never even understand what's happening in all this. And in our world, when it comes to financial decisions and things that we're dealing with in our, with our spouses, sometimes we get our head down and we're into all the minutiae of every single little detail that, we are, that we're working through. But I think it's great to pick our heads back up and to realize the things that we're doing, the decisions that we're making now, they're just that first stone that goes in there. And when our heart is right, when we really do care about other people, when we're seeking to make things better for other people, that from this, there's going to be a ripple effect to every decision. And we can wake up tomorrow pumped and enthused and ready to go out and tackle our days. So Jeff, how can people find out more about you, what you're up to, maybe even order your books? Easiest way to find me is on my website, jefftippett.com, J-E-F-F-T-I-P-P-E-T-T. And if you get close, I mean, misspell it doesn't even matter. I got Google ads out there in my name with all kinds of misspellings. So you'll find me. Just look for me on my website. Well, Jeff, we are so grateful that you took the time to speak with us today and just share so much value to our listeners. Hopefully they'll go out and, and purchase your book. We'd love for them to do that. We'll put a link in our notes so that they can find that book and purchase it. And hopefully they can gain some more wisdom from the knowledge and expertise that you have in this area. So thank you so much for taking the time to be with us and offering so much value to our listeners. Well, thanks for letting me be a guest today and trusting me to share my story with your audience. I appreciate the opportunity. Thanks so much, Jeff. Well, thank you uh, all for joining us for this episode. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or your Android device so that it's easier for more people to find and benefit from our show. You can also share this podcast on your favorite social media platform. And while you're there, find us, follow us. Uh, get into a conversation with us and help us know how we can serve you better. We'd love for you to be part of the personal finance conversation that we have every week. You can find the show notes to this episode and more content and resources at leosable.com. We look forward to having you join us next time so that together we, we can, can keep, keep getting, getting money right. I do have faith that when I find that alignment, it's going to be better than what I started with, right? And the other person is going to be happy. I'm going to be happy. We're going to be stronger because we found that alignment.